0: Nehemiah chapter 2, making a stand with Jesus Christ. So during this study, I'm showing you seven things about about making a stand with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The first thing we learned was why why we make a stand for Jesus Christ. When we make that stand is uh, Jesus makes you stand to prove something or to do something. The second thing we learned was what you're standing for. You're standing for faith, you're standing for liberty, you're standing for biblical traditions... And you're standing to proclaim the gospel message of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Third thing we found was a standing brings persecution. That was a real popular study when I did that Wednesday night. Didn't get a lot of amens. It was real quiet in here. Wasn't very popular. I don't blame you. It was very hard. It basically tells you you're going to get persecuted. You should stand, but you're going to get persecuted. So there's nothing anybody wants to hear. It wasn't a Joe Osteen type of... Bible study there. Verse 4, number 4, we found out the benefits of persecution. There's real benefits to being persecuted. Real benefits to being persecuted. And the forms of persecution, that's where we're at. We're on the fifth point. The forms of persecution. Now, last Wednesday, we talked about where the persecution is going to come from. It's going to come from one of your three enemies. You have three enemies. You have the world, the devil, and then yourself. The world would include family, friends, co-workers, um, the world in general, the media, government, your boss, your your workplace. The world includes all of that. And, of course, the devil, we know him as a being. The devil is a spiritual being that can attack you spiritually, emotionally, and physically. The devil can do all three of those things. And then the flesh. We all know about the flesh. We live inside this flesh. We know how hard it is to try to live for the Lord and then mess up. And then you you say, I'm never going to do that again. And then you mess up. And you mess up. And you pick yourself up and you fall again. You mess up. And you try to make a stand and your flesh turns against you. That's what we talked about. Now, now it's leading us to Nehemiah chapter 2. And we're going to study Nehemiah chapter 2 starting in verse 1. We're going to study how you're going to be persecuted. We're going to study this evening how you're going to be persecuted. And there's a seven-step progression. And we're going to notice in the study of Nehemiah, as Nehemiah is persecuted, you're going to see these steps and they're going to progress. And there's going to be seven steps of progression. You're going to see there's going to be disagreement. He's going to be laughed at. He's going to be mocked. And then it's going to turn to anger. They're going to get angry at him. Then he's going to receive criticism. Then it's going to be physical violence, physical violence. And then lastly, it'll be politics. They'll use politics and policies to persecute him. And you will see all of this play out in the book of Nehemiah. So Nehemiah chapter 2, starting in verse 1. That's where we'll pick it up. Uh, brother Wade, do you mind praying over this uh, Bible study, please, brother? Thank you. Amen. Amen. All right, chapter 2, verse 1 of Nehemiah. And it came to pass in the month Nisan. Let me make sure. Yeah, okay. In the month Nisan, in the 20th year of Artaxerxes the king, that wine was before him, and I took up the wine. Now, I would be Nehemiah. I took up the wine and gave it to the king. Now, I had not been before time sad in his presence, well, why was he not sad in his presence? Because if you get sad, not, see, we're not, we're not used to living in a time like this. When you went before a king and you showed any kind of displeasure, sad countenance, a frown, any kind of problems, the king would literally, could literally say, okay, kill him. I don't <laughs> want him with me. Take him out and kill him. And that, that's what they, that, there's stories of that happening. So verse two, wherefore the king said unto me, why is thy countenance sad? Seeing thou art not sick, This is nothing else but sorrow of heart. Then I was very sore afraid. (laughs) So that's why he was sore afraid there at the end of verse 2. He got really sore afraid because he'd never been sad. And all of a sudden the king recognizes. And you know how it is? When you get down in the mouth, you get depressed, people can read you like a book. People read you like a book. They know you're sad. They can tell. It's hard to hide it. And the king could see. hey And when when all of a sudden Nehemiah is found out and he's very sore afraid... This is what we're talking about with this Bible study. It's very dangerous sometimes to make a stand. Sometimes your stand is going to be very dangerous. And it's very dangerous to Nehemiah because when he makes this stand, it could get his head cut off. Verse 3, And said unto the king, this is what he said, Let the king live forever. Why should not my countenance be sad when the city, the place of my father's sepulchers, lieth waste, and the gates thereof are consumed with fire? So what happened was, God got fed up with Israel, brought in Nebuchadnezzar, destroyed Israel, destroyed Jerusalem, tore down the walls of the temple. That was all brought back to Babylon. Well, Babylon came in, went back, Babylon became the world empire, and then what happened? The Medes and the Persians came in. That's what we're reading here. The Medes and the Persians came in, conquered Babylon. Nehemiah is part of those Jews that are still over in Iran, Iraq area, they're still looking to go back to Jerusalem and they he wants to go back and build his homeland. Now, this has been over 70 years. Nehemiah's never been there. Nehemiah's just wanting to go back as a, as a people. So he's telling, verse 3, he's telling him, When the city, the place of my father's sepulchres lieth waste, and the gates thereof are consumed with fire. He said, Why shouldn't I be sad? You know how you realize how dangerous this is? This is this is the, their enemy. That'd be like, like a German saying, why shouldn't I be sad? My homeland in Germany was destroyed by you Americans when y'all came in there and destroyed it in World War II. I mean, he's lucky the king didn't cut his head off right there. He's being very bold. Verse 4, Then the king said unto me, For what dost thou make request? So I prayed to the God of heaven. So the king says, Well, what do you want me to do? What are you making requests for? Let me know. So he says, so I prayed to the God of heaven. Instant in prayer, guys. When you have a situation, might be at work, might be at wherever it might be, and you're confronted or you got a situation where you feel like you might need to make a stand, pray about it. You don't have to pray out loud. Just pray, Lord, you want me to do this? Talk out loud. Talk to the Lord. And that's what he did. Because look, so I prayed to the God of heaven and I said unto the king. He didn't say... What do you want me to do about Nehemiah? Nehemiah says, well, hold on. I need to pray. Dear Heavenly Father. Like, you know, He didn't get down on his face and start praying to God. He did it inside, just like that. And then he said, Lord, give me some answer to himself. I've done that a lot, witnessing to people. I've been witnessing to people about the Lord, and they'll give me a hard question or something I don't know, and I'll, in my mind I'll say, Lord, I need an answer. And it's amazing how many times the Lord will give you an answer. He'll help you out. Try, you know what, try the Lord out and see that he's good. (laughs) Amen. You hear me running my mouth up here, put it to the test. Try him out. I'm giving you examples and I can talk about it, but until you put your foot forward, until you put, and you take that leap and that step of faith, and take that leap of faith and say, you know what, Lord, I'm going to step out and I'm going to see what happens and let the Lord show you, and he will show you, let the Lord show you, he's good we don't serve a God that's sitting on a throne of condemnation. Amen? I mean, he's not sitting there waiting to, okay, now you messed up and come out there in lightning bolts. You know. He's sitting on a throne of grace. He's sitting on there. He wants to love you. He wants to help you. He wants people to know about Jesus Christ. And if you're making a stand for Jesus Christ, he's going to up, show up and he's going to be really, really good for you. He has every time in my life, every... I, I, I'm not... Put, I'm putting a I'm not gonna say 60%, 90%. I always use those percentages like I know what I'm talking about. I'm telling you, every time I have made a stand for Jesus Christ, God has shown up in my life through the Holy Spirit, and it's been good. It's been good. Now you might not have the same experience. I can't promise you nothing that because I'm not on the side giving it to you. I'm just talking about. I know God, I know Jesus Christ through God, and he's good, he's always been good, and when you're doing something for him, man, he shows up and he's good. He prays, so I prayed to the God of heaven, and this is what he said, and I said unto the king, if it please the king, and if thy servant have found favor in thy sight, that thou wouldest send me unto Judah, unto the city of my father's sepulchres, that I may build it. He said, let me go back home and rebuild my land, if it pleases the king. That's an honest request. That's making the stand for the Lord God. Verse 6. And the king said unto me, the queen also sitting by him, for how long shall thy journey be? Now, let's stop there. Do you see that little parenthesis there? That's a very, very interesting parenthesis because it says, and the king said unto me, the queen also sitting by him. There is a lot of speculation and it lines up perfectly that that queen right there is Esther. Now, who's Esther? Esther was the one who saved all the Jews for a Gentile king. Read the book of Esther. She's the one that saved all the Jews, for, and she became queen, a Jewish queen. So it's implying there that he's the king. He loves his Jewish bride. The queen sitting right there with him. He loves her. And he knows she's a Jew. He knows he wants to go back and rebuild all her homeland too. So it says the queen sitting by him. That's why it mentions the queen. That's amazing. What is that, why is that amazing? Because when you go and read the book of Esther. Go and read the book of Esther. God is not mentioned. God is The name God is not mentioned. It's so obvious that there's some people in the beginning were trying to take the scholars were trying to take the book of esther out because he's not mentioned god's not mentioned It don't mention the lord do anything It don't mention god do anything It don't even mention the name god so why would you want that book in there because that book shows you god's hand moving <laughs> god just happens to build gallows it's just happening to set up mordecai he's just happening to and you see God's hand moving. All these coincidences, all these coincidences, all the, And then the man that's after the Jew, you know what happens to the man that's after the Jew? Just happen coincidence, he gets hung on the gallows he makes for a Jew. <laughs> now, as a Bible believer, that's God moving. And it shows you, just because God didn't come down and say, I will now hang him. I will now, thus saith the Lord. You can see in Esther's life and Nehemiah's life, you're going to see in these lives that God's moving behind the scenes, working on their behalf, just like he does today for you guys. And it's so easy to say, is God really there? Am Am I wasting my breath praying to God? He's moving. He moves slow sometimes, but he is moving. Verse six, for how long shall thy journey be and when wilt thou return? So it pleased the king to send me and I set him a time. So the king's okay with it. So well, how long you to be gone? What are you gonna do? Verse seven, moreover, I said unto the king. Now, well, now he's really getting brave. You all, all, you know, you gotta ask, all you can be is told no. If it please the king, let letters be given to me to the governors beyond the river that they may convey me over till I come unto, into Judah. And a letter unto Asaph, The keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the palace, which appertain to the house, and for all the wall of the city, and for the house that I shall enter into. And the king granted me according to the good hand of my God upon me. Amen. He says, the king granted it for the good hand of my God upon me. You see see why uh, Nehemiah is showing you why you don't want to mess with a Jew? Here's a Jew. He's been about to have his head cut off. Why are you sad? What's wrong with you? He said, well, what, do you think, what do you expect me? I, I can't go back to my homeland. It's all laying there. It's all burned down. So the king's like, well, my wife is a Jew. Well, what do you want to do? Well, I want to go back and rebuild it. Well, how long are you going to be gone? Well, I, I don't know. Well, I tell, okay, go ahead. So what does a Jew do? Well, here's what we would do. What would I do? I would leave the king's presence, glory to God, and I would run out. I'd get all my Baptist friends and say, "Okay, we got to get a committee together. We got to raise money. We got to get some walls, we got to get some timber, we got to, I, we got let's let's go out there. Let's go sit in front of Walmart and, you know, sell candles. Let's you know, that's how a Gentile thinks. You know what that Jew does? You know what, king? It'd be all right if you'd give me some timber. <laughs> to the king. He just says, hey, you know, it'd be all right if you'd write a letter and then we can get that out of the king's force. We can get all that lumber and we can build my city over there. (laughs) Don't mess with those Jews, man. That's why they run everything. The banks, everything. They run everything. And that's what he does. And he said he granted it to me. the king. In verse 8, the good and according to the good hand of my God upon me. Brothers and sisters, when you're a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, you got the good hand of God upon you. John chapter 10, Jesus Christ said, They're in my hand, and nobody can get them out of my hand. Nobody. They're in my hand. You're in the good hand of God when you're in Jesus Christ. This is the kind of stuff God will do for you. At your workplace, in your, your family, wherever you're making a stand for Jesus Christ, God will show up and God will do something for you it's exciting. It's one of the benefits of being persecuted. You get all, a lot of joy. Okay, so Nehemiah makes a stand, a bold stand. Here's verse 9. This is our first one. Verse 9. Then I came to the governors beyond the river. This is when he crosses the river Jordan, heading back, heading back to go to Israel. And gave them the king's letter. The, so the king's got the letters. He gives to Nehemiah. Now the king had sent captains of the army and horsemen with me. So not only does Nehemiah go, he's got the king's entourage riding with him on horses. Okay, It's a big deal. What happens? Verse 10. Here's the persecution. When Sambalot the Horonite and Tobiah the servant, the Ammonite, heard of it, it grieved them exceedingly. That there was come a man to seek the welfare of the children of Israel. So I came to Jerusalem and was there three days. So he mentions there in verse 10 what we're talking about. It's persecution. So one of the first forms of persecution you're going to run into is just disagreement. You see there it says that it grieved them exceedingly in verse 10. That there was come a man to seek the welfare of the children of Israel. That is true in 2021. That'll be true in 2022 if Jesus Christ don't come back. Anytime you try to help Israel or seek the welfare of Israel, the world hates you for it. You see that, right? They bombed them and 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 bombed them. And finally, Israel said, enough. And they went over there and started just wiping them out. Wiping them out. What? Oh, you're, you're doing too much violence. Oh, Israel, that's right. Israel's an apartheid nation. Israel's killing all these people. What would you do if you, had a, if you went home every day and there was a, there was a bomb? And they were bombing your, your schools, bombing your grocery stores, bombing your buses. They're not going after military institutions. The Hamas are going after civilians. And then they, then they get on to Israel for fighting back. It grieved them there was come a man to seek the welfare of the children of Israel. They hate the Jew. <laughs> Here's the latest thing I read. This came come out today. Google Diversity Chief. You, you know it's going to be somebody from Google. His name is Kamala Bob. I think he's probably a good Muslim. I don't know. Jews have insatiable appetite for war and killing. He said, the Jews can't get enough of war and killing. The Jews. Six million of them were killed. They've been persecuted since the time of Christ. This is what he wrote. If I were a Jew, he said, uh, in, the insatiable appetite for vengeful violence, he goes on to say, if I were a Jew, I would be concerned about my insatiable appetite for war and killing in defense of myself. <laughs> he said, they're, they're they're just they, they're warlike. And when they war and they kill, when they're defending themselves, they need to really, really think that over. Well, I have a thing. I, I need to tell old Kama here, if he comes on my house and I have to defend my family, I'm going to defend them to the death. And if you try to kill my wife, I'm going to kill you. And I'm not going to sleep bad at not doing it. I have that right. Why are you getting on to the Jew for defending what's theirs? That's the way they think. You've got something wrong with you. Why? The way you defend yourself. You have a right to defend yourself, idiot. They're not the ones shooting the bomb. The Jews, Israel, they call up the building and say, y'all better get out of there. We're about to bomb y'all. That media building that y'all are using to shoot rockets from over there, the Hamas, we're about to destroy it. And AP was like, oh, 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 we don't know about any terrorists being in here. Yeah, uh uh-huh, you didn't know about them. You don't have to worry about that anymore because they took care of that building. What this guy needs, if I could get a hold of this guy, I'd give him some really, really good advice. Don't mess with the Jew. Don't mess with Israel. You're going to bring a curse on yourself. That's what these guys are doing here. What you're going to get when you make a stand for Jesus Christ, this is the mildest form of of persecution. This is the one you're going to get the most, guys, because this is the one that people are okay with doing to you, and they'll do it to you in this way. They're going to disagree with you. They're going to say stuff like, what's the big deal? Can't we all just get along? Do you have to really, don't rock the boat. Do you really have to rock the boat? They're going, to, they're going to disagree with you. you say, well, I, I don't really, I don't know if the Bible really says that. Are you sure that's what the Bible says? Are you sure? I don't know. Jesus Christ wouldn't act that way. I've had, I've had, people, I've had people say that to me. I don't think Jesus Christ would act that way. Hmm? You don't know the Jesus Christ out of the Bible. My favorite one is Brother Eubanks. You ever read his book? He's got that book, 13 Minutes on the Vatican. and in the back of that book, he's got all these stories of him street preaching. And one of them is, he's out street preaching. He's out there, and he's, he's out there street preaching, and these Mormons come by. And these Mormons come by, and he's out there street preaching. And uh, one of them says, you know, Jesus Christ wouldn't act this way. He goes, you're of your father the devil, and his deeds you'll do. He was a murderer from the beginning. He starts quoting that verse. And one of those Mormon boys turned to him and said, see, Jesus wouldn't talk like that. Jesus would never talk like that. He's quoting Jesus, idiot. (laughs) Read your Bible. Put down that stupid book of Mormon and read your Bible. He's quoting Jesus. Disagreement. Do you really want to make a stand? Are you sure you want to? Don't don't rock the boat. That's going to come from your family, your friends, your co-workers. For sure the world. Don't offend anybody. let's Let's not be offensive. Now, let's just all get along. Now, whenever they want to offend you with their talk, their nasty behavior, what they were doing last night at the bar, they'll offend you all day long. But when you make a stand for Jesus and say, you know what, I was at church the other day. Well, let's not talk about church. I don't really think the Bible, this is not the place to talk about religion. I've had that said to me a hundred times. This is really not the place to talk about religion. Well, I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen? We're not talking about making a stand for Indian Gap Baptist Church. No. You don't need to make a stand for Indian Gap Baptist I'm not telling you to make a stand for being a Baptist or a Methodist or whatever you happen to be. I'm telling you, we're talking about making a stand for Jesus Christ. Now, I associate Jesus Christ so close with this word. In the beginning was the word that I refer to this Bible in the same light. Like I make a stand for this word just like I make a stand for Jesus Christ. And when I'm making a stand for this Bible, I'm making a stand for Jesus Christ. When I make a stand for Jesus Christ, I'm making a stand for this Bible. You'll find the second one in verse 11. 12. So I came to Jerusalem was there three days. And I arose in the night, verse 12, Nehemiah. Nehemiah rises in the night, and I and some few men with me, neither told I any man what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. There you go. You ever feel like God's put something in your heart to do? Nehemiah said it. Nehemiah said, God put this in my heart to do it. You ever had that? You say, how do you know it? I can't tell you. (laughs) This is times I feel like the Lord told me to do something. That's not, guys, there's nothing wrong with that. You just want to check your heart, why? Because your heart's deceitful. Sometimes your heart will tell you to do something God didn't tell you to do. It, Amen. Amen. Right, I'm warning you. The Bible's warning you. Jeremiah seventeen nine. Okay, he put in my heart to do it. Jerusalem. Neither was there any beast with me, save the beast that I rode upon. And I went out by night by the gate of the valley, even before the dragon well, into the dung port. And viewed the walls of Jerusalem which were broken down and the gates thereof were consumed with fire. So he's going in, he's checking the wall, he's checking the different wells, he's checking what's going on. Then I went on the gate, verse 14. Then I went on to the gate of the fountain and into the king's pool. But there was no place for the beast that was under me to pass. Then went I up in the night by the brook and viewed the wall and turned back and entered by the gate of the valley and so returned. And the rulers knew not whether I went or what I did, neither had I as yet told it to the Jews, nor to the priests, nor to the nobles, nor to the rulers, nor to the rest that did the work. So he's got there, he's got his orders from the king, he's got the ability to do it, but what he's doing is he's going out, he's kind of making an inspection. He goes out and inspects it at night. He do not want anybody to know what he's doing. He's going out, he's checking things out. He's like, okay, this is tore down. What's it going to take for us to get this going? Verse 17, Then said unto them, Ye see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lieth waste and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come and let us build up the wall of Jerusalem, that we be no more of reproach. Then I told them of the hand of my God which was good upon me. He said, I Man, God's been behind me. You'll hear missionaries say that. Missionaries will say, I feel like God's in my, in my deputation. God's moving me to go over to Brazil. God's moved me, and they'll tell us stories of things that have happened in their deputation. Trying to try and explain to you and give you an idea. I feel like God's behind me. God's giving me this call. So you don't think they're just some crazy nut just doing whatever they want to do. They say, I feel like the good hand of God is upon me. That's what he's saying. And he said, uh, Then I told them, verse 18, I told them of the hand of my God was good upon me, as also the king's words that he had spoken unto me. And they said, Let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. So they heard everything Nehemiah said, and they're like, all right, let's build this. Let's do it. So he's getting, he's getting some people. And there's no doubt in my mind, God's laying it on their heart like he laid it on Nehemiah's heart. Yeah. Yeah. I believe that. Verse 19, though, here we go. But Sambalot, the Horonite, and Tobiah the servant, the Ammonite, and Geshem the Arabian. Oh, ho, ho, ho. The Arabian. You can point that straight to 2021, huh? The Arabian, he's a descendant of, well, Ishmael. And Geshem the Arabian heard it. They laughed us to scorn and despised us and said, what is this thing you do? Will you rebel against the king? So the second disagreement you're going to have, I mean, second persecution you're going to have, first was disagreement, second one's going to be laughing. When you're getting persecuted for making a stand for Jesus Christ, you're going to get laughed at. They laughed us to scorn and despised us and said, what is this thing that you do? Will you rebel against the king? What are you doing? What do you think you're doing? They're going to laugh at you. When you're making a stand, they're going to call you silly. Man, don't be one of them silly religious nuts. Don't be one of them Bible What are you doing, man? I know you. We used to go out drinking all the time. I know you, man. You're one of the good old boys. What are you doing? They're going to laugh at you. And they're going to look at you guys, and this is the hardest thing they're going to do. They're going to look at your views on the Bible, your views about Jesus Christ, your beliefs, your faith in the Bible, your faith in what Jesus Christ has done for you and what he's going to do for you up in heaven, and they're going to laugh at you. You're going to have people laugh at you to your face. And that's real persecution. Because... it's going to be tempting to just say, okay, I'm not going to say nothing about that anymore. <laughs> I don't want to be laughed at. Nobody wants to be laughed at, amen? Nobody wants to be made fun of. I mean, that's really a form of bullying, but they don't look at it like that, right? They don't look at it as bullying, but it really is. They're trying to bully you out of making your stand. They're trying to laugh that you'll, so you'll not make a stand. That's what they're doing. They're trying to shame you. Look at verse, uh, ch- Look at Nehemiah chapter two chapter four, verse one. Nehemiah chapter four, verse one. So' they're gonna, you're going to have disagreements, they're going to disagree with you, they're going to start laughing at you, and this leads to the third point, which is mocking. If you want to read this story, go home and read this story, but we're going to skip ahead so you can see more of the persecution that Nehemiah deals with, verse one, chapter four, verse one, but it came to pass that when, Sambalot heard that we builded the wall. He was wroth and took great indignation and mocked the Jews. He he mocked them by verse 2. And he spake before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, What do these feeble Jews? Will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish which are burned? He's mocking them. Look at what they're doing. Look at the immediate Jews. Look what they're doing. How are they going to do that? They can't do that. That's the third form of persecution you're going to get is mocking. The laughing at you, don't be silly, man. I know you. It's going to turn into mocking. Now, mocking is not laughing. Mocking is really the the direct, I mean, the, the proper definition of mocking is ridicule. They're going to ridicule you. I have it written down as to show contempt for you, to shame you, to shame you, and to show contempt is why you ridicule. You ridicule somebody, you mock somebody, to show your contempt for them, and you want to shame them in front of everybody. Notice it says there, he spake, verse 2, he spake before his brethren. Your friend might laugh at you behind closed doors when it's you and him sitting across the table or wherever you're at. Your friend is persecuting you or a coworker or family, whatever, they might laugh at you, say, come on, man, just calm down. Why do you act like this? But when you've got other people with them, that's when it turns into mocking. Pointing. Look at him. Look at them feeble Jews. What are they doing? Will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they, will they? Ha ha ha. Mocking implies there's other people around. It's like a mob mentality. I know a Christian lady that was persecuted like this, that was mocked like this, at her job for having Christian verses up on her computer. And they mocked her and made fun of her. Well, she quit her job because she couldn't take it. And she shouldn't have had to take it, amen? She quit her job at this doctor's office. And what wasn't too long after, this doctor, after she left this doctor's office, guess what happened? The U.S. government came in. The U.S. government came in, and they shut that doctor down, he got in trouble for trying to scam Medicaid. The whole office got shut down. So all those nurses that were mocking this Christian girl, they're out looking for another job. God works like that. God works like that. But you've got to you make a stand, right? Yeah. She was making a stand, but she got mocked for it. But she can look back on it now. And say, I see God's hand moving. I can see God's hand moving on that. You Christians are so stupid and gullible. Ha, 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 ha. I wrote that down. You Christians are so stupid and gullible. That's true. We can be gullible. But we're not stupid. We just got great faith. You might put your faith in evolution or science. I put my faith in God. And that directly means I put my faith in Jesus Christ, what God said to do. Put your faith in Jesus Christ, and I'll count that for you for righteousness. And that's what I've done. And I believe it, and you can mock me and make fun of it, but it works for me. When somebody's mocking you for something and they're calling you stupid, if you really got the truth, it don't bother you. Right? When you really, it really don't bother you. Because you you, you can see and feel that God's moving in your life. Jesus was mocked. Let's look at Luke chapter 23. We're going to start closing up. Luke chapter 23. Of course, our Lord and Savior, He took it for us. Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, He got mocked. He took it. All this stuff happened to Jesus. They did all of this to Jesus. They're going to do all of this to Nehemiah, all seven of these. They're going to do all of these to Jesus. And guys, they're going to do all these to you if you make a stand for Jesus Christ. And it's going to progress. The more you make a stand, this is going to progress and get worse and worse, the persecution. But it's worth it. Making a stand for Jesus Christ is worth it. Luke 23, verse 34. Luke chapter 23, verse 34. Jesus hanging on the cross. He's been crucified. He's been whipped. He's been beat. He's been uh, tortured. Jesus says, after he's hung on the cross, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. Everybody at the crucifixion was forgiven. Everybody that centurion that took that spike and nailed it into Jesus Christ's hands, he's forgiven. Because Jesus asked the Father to forgive him. Verse 35. And the people stood beholding, and the rulers also with them derided him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he be Christ, the chosen of God. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming to him and offering him vinegar and saying, If thou be the king of the Jews, save thyself. Oh, I thought you were some big somebody. Come on down off of there. <laughs> I thought you were somebody. You said you were God manifesting in the flesh. Well, oh, you're God hanging there dying. <laughs> Come on down. And he, lay, he sat there bleeding. Naked. See, you see those pictures of Jesus hanging on the cross? And for... A decency sake, they'll put a little cloth over it. They'll show him with it. He wasn't hanging there with the cloth, brothers and sisters. He's hanging there naked before his mom and all his friends and everybody mocking him. Knowing the way men are, there's no telling what else they said to him. They just didn't record it in the Word of God. He took it. Why? For me and you. You You know who else he took it for? Those same people that were mocking him. He took it for his enemies. And everybody in this room before you got saved, you were an enemy to God until you took Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. And he did it for me and you. Look at John chapter 9. The Gospel of John chapter 9 to your right. Gospel of John chapter 9. I'm closing up. Gospel of John chapter 9, verse 19. We're on a downhill struggle right here downhill pool, I mean. (laughs) John chapter 9, verse 19. I'm going to show you something about this. When it comes to mocking, there's some people, and I hope you're not like this, and I can be like this sometimes, and I hope you're not like this. Some people, they have the worst fear, they have the worst fear of being ridiculed. They They would rather be beat tortured than to be ridiculed. They cannot take somebody and say, ha ha you're dumb or you're stupid. Now maybe I grew up with everybody calling me dumb and stupid and just being dumb and stupid. I got used to it. But there's some people that they can't handle that. And the ridicule and the fear, the fear of that will drive them to do just about anything but what would cause ridicule. Verse 19, so Jesus has healed a blind man so they can't figure out from the blind man who healed him He's not giving them any information. They call his parents up there. Verse 19, And they asked them, asked the parents of this blind man, saying, Is this your son who you say was born blind? How then doth he now see? His parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son, and that he was born blind. But by what means he now seeth, we know not. Or who hath opened his eyes, we know not. He is of age. Ask him. He shall speak for himself. These words spake his parents. Why? Because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had agreed already that if any man did confess that he was Christ, he should be put out of the synagogue. They let fear control their confession. Fear will keep you from confessing Jesus Christ. Guys, I don't know how many friends you have that are lost, but we're going to find out if they don't get saved. When we get up into heaven and God, they're standing before God and they're being judged, you're going to find out they should have confessed a long time ago. In their heart, they believed. They just had fear of confessing because why? Then they would be ridiculed, mocked, laughed at, on and on and on. They could not take the persecution. They feared the Jews because they were going to get kicked out. Look at chapter 12, John chapter 12. I'll show you another one of these. John chapter 12, verse 42. John chapter 12, verse 42. I'll show you another one of these. The fear of man, a fear of man will keep you from confessing Jesus Christ. John chapter 12, verse 42. Nevertheless, among the chief rulers, that would be the leaders of that time, also many believed on him. They believed on Jesus Christ. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. See what that's showing you? They fear losing their social status. They fear losing their social standing. They fear losing their place where they think they should be. So much so, even though they believed, and they believed in Jesus Christ, they would not confess him. They did not confess him. Because of fear of ridicule and losing social standing and status. That comes from mocking. It's very powerful, guys. I'm pointing these verses out to you because mocking, when you're trying to make a stand for Jesus Christ, when somebody starts to mock you, it's very powerful. It will shut you down. I know how powerful it is. I use it sometimes. I use it against other people. I mock them. When somebody I think is being mean, I'll mock them because I know how powerful mocking is. Elijah used mocking. Remember when Elijah had the contest and Elijah had the contest, okay, whoever God's God brings down fire under this sacrifice, from heaven, he's the God. All, that's a great idea. So Baal, prophets, y'all go first. They go first. They put on the calf, and they're out there. They're chanting, and they're chanting, and they're chanting, and they're cutting themselves, cutting themselves. Well, Elijah comes along and says, Hey, maybe your God's asleep. <laughs> maybe he's just walking around up there, and he just forgot about you. Where's your God now? <laughs> that's Elijah. Elijah, one of my favorite characters of the Bible. Mocking him. Mocking him. Remember that weapon. When they laugh at you, laugh at them. I can't believe you believe that Bible. I can't believe you don't. Watch their face. It works. The best offense, I mean the best defense is a good offense. Amen? So whenever they go on the offensive, you go on the offensive. We knew that growing up, right? You're ugly. Your mama dresses you funny. You always got to have a better comeback, right? You always got to have a better comeback. Maybe y'all have. <laughs> I grew up in a different kind of, around a bunch of different kind of people. Why? Wow, verse 43. Here we go. Verse 43. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. Christian, this is what we're talking about. When you make a stand for God, you're making a stand for Jesus Christ, you're saying, I'm I'm trying to praise the Lord. And I'm not worried about the praise of men. You're not going to get the praise of men. They're not all gonna to run to you and go, Man, I'm so proud of you when you stood up in the break room and you talked about Jesus Christ. That made me feel so good. I, I'm so proud of you. Guys, I'm telling you, you're gonna get the total opposite. They're gonna to run to you and say, Man, can can you just not rock the boat? What are you doing, man? I know you we used to go out drinking. We smoked a little bit of this together. What are you doing? And then it's going to become mocking. (laughs) He was in the break room talking about Jesus in front of all your co-workers. Then what are you going to do? You got to make a stand. For they love the praise of men more than the praise of God. Let me give you one more. Matthew chapter 10. One more and we'll go home. Matthew chapter 10. Too good to leave this one out. I've quoted this verse a lot lately, so y'all probably are tired of hearing it, but here it is in the Bible. Matthew chapter 10, verse 27. Matthew 10, 27. I'm gonna run through this one then we'll go home. Matthew 10, 27. What I tell you in darkness, this is of course Christ speaking. What I tell you in darkness, that speak ye in light. What you hear in the ear, that preach ye up on the housetops. You whispered in the ear, he says, You go preach that up on the housetops. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to confess and to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Verse 28, you got fear to do it? Fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Don't, be, don't worry about the p- fear of man. Worry about the fear of God. Have the fear of God. Don't worry about the praise of man. Worry about the praise of God. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? And one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear you not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. Maybe only 20, but many of them. Point is, God's taking care of everything. He's got all the hairs counted on your head. Verse 32, verse 33. The good ones to close on. Whosoever, therefore, shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. Guys, brothers, I've seen some brothers and sisters, they took it, man. <laughs> they made a stand for Jesus Christ and they took it. And they got mocked and they got made fun of. But can you imagine the day in heaven? We're all up there and all the singing and praising, and here's this poor saint of God brought up before Jesus Christ and said, you remember that day? When they were laughing at you and you said you believed in me, I believe in you. Come on. You're going to get paid back. Amen. Both ways. Verse 33, who should deny me? Jesus, hey Jesus, I heard all about you. I I never knew you. Man, that's some of the scariest verses in the Bible. So many people that are in church use it as a social gathering. Use it as a place. Don't, don't care about God. Don't care about Jesus Christ. And they've heard about it, and it's just kind of silly to them. And they think that they're going to they're they're live that, that half-hearted life and not make a f- confession for Jesus Christ, not believe in Jesus Christ. And they're going to get up there. They think they're going to do all this stuff in the world and not confess Jesus. And then they're going to get up there and say, Oh, I know him. And the Bible says, I never knew you. The Bible says Jesus Christ is going to say, I never knew you. Hey, the rich man is never called by his name. Never. In that story of, the, of Lazarus and the rich man going, the rich man went to hell, and Lazarus went to Abraham's bosom. Lazarus, the poor man, was known by Lazarus. The rich man's name is never given. He's burning in hell. It just says, the rich man from hell lifted up his eyes in torment. Jesus is telling that story. And it's like Jesus is saying, I don't even know his name. He was a rich man. But the poorest man you know, Jesus Christ says, yeah, oh, Lazarus, I know him. He confessed me before men, and yeah, I know Lazarus. Come on up here. Man, what a day, what a day that will be. But you got to make a stand you got to make a stand. I'm telling you guys, it's worth it. It's worth it. He's worthy of everything we do for him. Lord, I love you. I don't love you enough, Lord, but I do love you in my simple ways, Lord God. And Father, I have a heart for you, Lord, but my flesh, it fights me. It doesn't want to be ridiculed, Lord. It doesn't want to be mocked. It doesn't want to be looked at. It doesn't want to be uh, made fun of, Lord God. It doesn't want to be in a disagreement. It doesn't want to be offensive, Lord. And everything about you, Lord, is offensive to this world. Everything about you, Lord Jesus, is, is something that they mock and make fun of and laugh at, Lord. But Father, I pray, Father, through your Holy Spirit to fill me with your Holy Spirit, Lord, that I'll be able to make those stands I need to make, giving out a gospel track maybe when it feels uncomfortable, Lord, uh, telling somebody about Jesus Christ, inviting them to church when it feels uncomfortable, Lord, just talking about you in simple ways, Lord God, of all the good you've been to me. Lord, give me the strength to do that and to do it In a proper way, Lord God, that won't be out to to embarrass you, Lord, but I would just be simply a good ambassador for you, Lord God, that I would represent you in a great way. And Lord, I pray, Father, for these people that came out tonight, Lord God, I pray you bless them, Lord. I pray thank you for them, Lord. And I pray, Father, you write them in your book of remembrance, Lord. And Father, I pray for traveling mercies for everybody back home. In Jesus Christ's holy name, I pray. Amen. 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 All right. upon him